Welcome to the One Life Podcast, where we have rare but vital conversations about Jesus. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the One Life Podcast. One Life is a startup church here in Nashville, Tennessee. Our mission is to build extended families of disciples that live on mission together. My name is Tiffany Ketchum, and here with me is my husband and co-host, Tim Ketchum. Hey, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to episode number 77. Ooh, that's a biblical number. Every number. <laughs> it's double sevens. What does this mean? Oh, gosh. Inside joke about the double rainbow yeah. video. <laughs> Look it up if you haven't, Look it up. haven't seen it. Double rainbow. Uh, what, what are we doing here? We are talking about Jesus being the bread of life. Yeah, we're still kind of anchored in the story of Exodus, but we jumped up here to the New Testament and talking about uh, exactly how do you eat Jesus. He says, I'm the bread of life, and if you eat me, you will live forever. And it's like, wait, what? <laughs> exactly how do you eat somebody? You know, like, is that cannibalism? Yeah, it sounds kind of weird. Yeah. So we're going we're gonna to basically start in uh, John 6, 47. John 6 is a really long chapter, and it's like this really long episode of Jesus' teaching. So we're trying to take it in chunks here. But uh, yeah, we're going to start in verse 47 and kind of work our way down. But we're actually going to do like a uh, real practical exercise today. We're going to give a, a really practical thing about how you can eat Jesus. I can tell your, our listeners are on their seat right now. On the edge of their seat, you know. <laughs> of course they are. Meal time, dinner time. Okay, Tim, how about you read today? I'm, yeah. I'm having a little allergy issues. Sure thing. So starting in verse 47, uh, I, I guess I should say just a quick background note is Jesus just got done feeding the 5,000 and a massive crowd came to find him and they're basically looking for some free lunch. So that's kind of the background of his teaching here. He says, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. And we talked a little bit last episode that everlasting life is not just about like a nonstop existence. It's about a quality of life as well. And Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give, and, and this is where it gets weird. He, he transitions here. He says, I'm the bread of life. And he's like, and this is the bread. And they're thinking, okay, is this Wonder Bread? Is this a bagel? Is this a biscuit? You know, like, like what kind of bread is this going to be? And then he drops a bomb on them. He says, the bread that I shall give is my flesh. What? <laughs> what does that mean? That is definitely bizarre. So you're going to give us your flesh. And then he says, which I shall give for the life of the world. Now, the response of the people in the audience, the Jews therefore quarreled among themselves saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Huh? Like you can kind of see like the, the look on their faces, like they have this blank stare and then they start looking at each other and they start, wait, what, what you know, what did he just say? Jesus is weirder than we thought. <laughs> uh, 
so then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, now he's added blood in there, which you kind of think, well, if you are eating the flesh, there's going to be blood in the flesh, but he's basically saying you not only eat the flesh, but you're going to drink the blood. That means the blood is probably in a cup. Sounding kind of vampirish about now. Right. <laughs> so unless you eat eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. So that's that's one of the keys to interpreting this, is that Jesus is making a very strong identification between life, and the contrast here, of course, is with death, but he's saying, where is this life located? This life is located in my flesh and in my blood. Now, if, if you're an Old Testament person, like the life is in the blood is not a new idea. Like that was part of the sacrificial system. And you're thinking, okay, life in the blood, I get it, I got it. But that's an animal. And you're not supposed to eat human beings or human blood. But Jesus is saying, look, there's, there's a life that will transcend death. And he's saying, I am that life. And it's not something that he gives people like an object. You don't get to have this life unless you have Jesus. It's actually going to be literally located in his body, in his flesh, and in his blood. And there's something that's going to happen to his body and his flesh and his blood after his death and it's called resurrection. And that's one of the reasons why Jesus is saying, look, this life that will transcend death is actually in me because God is going to do something with my flesh, with my blood, my body that he's never done before. He's going to glorify it. He's going to make it incorruptible. And he's going to basically transform my body just like he transformed water into wine. He's going to transform my body into a glorified, resurrected, incorruptible body. So it's a pretty interesting way of Jesus saying this. He's definitely being cryptic. He's definitely being mysterious and definitely provocative in how he's framing this. So Yeah, we kind of have that hindsight view. It's almost a little bit more understandable for us because we know what happens after this. But this is like well before... He dies and is resurrected and all that. So it's definitely probably really strange for them to hear. No doubt. No doubt. Like being live in the situation would definitely be disorienting. So everything that I'm saying right here is kind of summarized in the next verse where Jesus says, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up at the last day. So this identification with himself, his body, everlasting life, it's all related to resurrection. And verse 55, he says, For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. And that, that's one of the phrases we're, we're going to kind of dig down into here in a second. But this idea of us abiding in him and him abiding in us, that is a very big uh, concept in the book of John. It's a very relational concept, and it's a concept that leads you to say, okay, you're entering into me, and I'm entering into you. And really, that's how the life 
is transferred from him to us is when we actually participate and enter into the life that exists in Jesus. Now, what's really interesting is he's about to say something here that is going to establish another link beyond himself to someone else. So far, he said, this life is in me. But now he's going to say, but I'm actually getting this life from someone else. So verse 57 says, as the living father sent me and I live because of the father. So he who feeds on me will live because of me. So you, so you got this kind of like chain reaction or this flow of life that originates in the father. It flows into Jesus And then Jesus says, if you abide in me, if you eat my flesh, drink my blood, this life is going to flow into you. And so there's this like river of life, if you want to call it that, that flows out from the Father through the Son and into us. But the key here is Jesus talking about abiding. And abiding is something that it's, it's a very generic term. It's hard to kind of nail down, but it basically means to stay with someone. Yeah, mine says remains. Remains, yes, remains in me. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you've ever had that experience where you've gone, you've been invited over to somebody's house, and you're in their house, and you're just having such a good time, and then they kind of bring up that phrase like, so what are y'all doing tomorrow? which is sort of like the transition to, okay, y'all need to leave. (laughs) 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 Like everyone's got their conversational cues to kind of hint, hey, it's time to transition. Like you need to leave from here. Right. Well, Jesus is saying like, I'm never going to bring that up to you. I don't ever want you to leave. Once you come to me, I want you to remain. I want you to abide in me. And I want you to stay connected with me. Staying connected and abiding in Jesus, there's lots of different ways of doing that, but we're going to talk about a specific exercise right now that we learned from a guy named Ignatius of Loyola, and he basically created an exercise called entering the story, or entering the scene is what he calls it. Yeah, even this idea of abiding or remaining is a little bit odd I think for a lot of us that are Christians it just seems like such a hard thing to do sometimes you know to know how to remain in Jesus consistently but yeah I I like the idea of giving a specific example let's talk about entering the scene basically the goal of this exercise is to have a meaningful encounter or interaction with Jesus If we were to break it down into steps, I guess, you know, step number one would be to like choose a story in the Gospels where Jesus is interacting with someone or he's doing something. Yeah, and that's the great thing about this is it's rooted in the Bible. Like you're going to actually use a story in the Bible to connect with Jesus in a different way than just reading it. Yeah, it's a, uh, some people call this like an exercise of the imagination which you definitely have to use your imagination in this exercise. But so, for example, like let's say we took the story out of John 6 where Jesus is feeding the 5,000. You know, so you basically kind of use that story. You read through the story. So, step two would be to read through the story slowly. 
and you're sort of taking note of uh, different details, different facts, different situations that are there. And one way to think about this is like just, you know, think about the story as being sort of played out live for you on a stage, like at a play or a drama. Or a movie, maybe. Or a movie, (laughs) yeah. Maybe a little more. Yeah, like a movie set. That's a great, that's Mm -hmm. definitely a better metaphor. And just think about yourself walking on the set and you're walking around with all the actors and you're like a silent observer while they're acting it out. You're walking around, you're looking at the different characters, you're looking at Jesus, you're looking at the the props and the set and everything, like colors, you know, setting, facial expressions. There, There's this idea that when you're reading through the text, you're trying to place yourself in the story and you're using some of your imagination to do that. So step one is pick a story. Step two, read through the story. And then after you've read it through at least once, like most people say you're supposed to read through it a couple times to familiarize yourself with it. I was going to say, you may have to read read it more, if especially if you're less familiar with the, that story. Yeah, you, you, you kind of want it to be sort of a, a natural memory in yeah, your head. Right. Uh, step number three is you kind of allow the scene to take on a life of its own. And so once you kind of got familiar with the set and the actors and the people and the situation, it's almost like you walk onto the stage or onto the set and you give each character in the set permission to kind of take a, take on a life of their own. And now you're actually a part of, in one sense, you're kind of a part of that scene. Um, now you can still be like a silent observer, an invisible observer, or... You can actually be someone in the crowd. You can be the person that Jesus is talking to. There's lots of different ways that this can unfold and ways that this can come to life. But, you know, the goal is not to have a literal replay. Word for word. Yeah, of the story. The goal is to use the story as a framework and for us to enter into that story and to let the story unfold naturally, uh, spontaneously. And it does require engaging our imagination uh, to some degree. The, the goal of this is to actually sort of meet Jesus. To connect with him. To connect with him. You know, that connection can be an indirect. It can be direct. It can happen in a lot of ways. I know for us, we've both done this exercise before. And we've had different experiences with doing it. I've had indirect experiences where I was just a silent person in the scene. And I was kind of like just observing Jesus and feeling more close to him, feeling more connected with him. And, uh, and, and that was enough for me during that exercise. Yeah, I think it does vary greatly just kind of where you are and what's going on in your life and what the story is and how you connect in that story. And yeah, I think another way you probably have experienced and I know I have is you may be in the story and you look at Jesus in this context and then he starts speaking to you about something, Mm -hmm. you know, that may be relevant to you now or it just may be relevant to the story 
And that's another way. There's different ways that you can connect with Jesus. It can be very, a little more hands-off, or it can be like I am in the face of Jesus and he's talking to me about something or we start having a conversation. So I think that's the cool thing is it's very, uh, it, it can even be something super simple or it, it doesn't necessarily have to take a long time to do this, you know, especially once you get used to it. I know I, I did this a couple of days ago just because it had been a while and I just picked like a really short story and it was only like 10 minutes or something and I just con- connected with Jesus in that. And it was life-giving because it also connected with, you know, things in my life right now. There's a lot of ways to abide in Jesus, to remain in him. This is just one of many. But I think a cool thing about this is it's a very safe way to connect with Jesus and to make sure that you, he's the one you're looking at. And also you just, you know, learn more of the Bible. It, it kind of connects you with the Bible and with Jesus at the same time. So it's, I think it's a great place to, to start. Yeah, that's a, that's a great way to describe it. It's a safe way. Uh, it kind of reminds me of like, you know, the idea of creating a container with boundaries and I know when I close my eyes and use my imagination, like my head can go all over the place, like all kinds of different thoughts and ideas. And so like having a story from the Gospels to kind of draw you back in and set the framework, it's it's definitely helpful to stay focused on him and to make sure that you're you're actually interacting with Jesus and not maybe a projection of your own mind or own thoughts and that kind of thing. So, yeah, it's fantastic. I really like the way you described that. And I think, I think it's kind of neat how you talked about it being life-giving too, because that's kind of what Jesus was talking about in John 6, is that he says, I'm giving my flesh and my, my blood for life to the world. And if we abide in him, we receive the same kind of life that he received from the Father. And he's saying, look, I don't want this to be something that's just exclusive to me and the Father. I want it to be something that I share with you. And really, he's inviting us into his relationship with the Father. That, that's really what he's doing here. He's, he's saying, I've, I'm receiving so much life from my relationship with the Father, and I want you to receive that same kind of life, too. And that's super encouraging. Yeah, abiding in Jesus is definitely the most life-giving thing that I've ever discovered mm. in my life. And it's almost like the more you practice connecting with Jesus and staying in him, the easier it is. And also just the more you want to connect with him because it it is really life-giving for daily life and for the struggle times and for the good times. It's it's good. You know, he is, is there for all of it. So thanks, Tim, for, you know, sharing this particular way of connecting with Jesus by entering the scene with him. We are going to continue talking along these lines, right? In That's our right. next episode. So we'll have one more episode just talking about Jesus being the bread of life and this type of remaining in him. And we'll get a little bit more into how Jesus can speak to us. We are wrapping it up here. 
hit that subscribe button if you want to continue in this conversation about Jesus being the bread of life. You can go to our podcast notes if you're interested in leaving a comment or a question. There will be a link there. And also we've added a PDF of the Entering the Story exercise, a PDF guide of how to do that exercise. So we hope you will go and take advantage of that. And by the way, this is a great exercise to do in a smaller group as well. We definitely enjoy using it in our group sometimes. We appreciate you listening and we will catch you next time.